Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. <laughs> uh, well, I want to welcome you again. I want to welcome those watching other other campuses as well. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and we are uh, kicking off a new message series. We always focus on relationships in the month of September, and this series is called "For Better." And uh, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But here's here's what often happens when we look at relationships. We look at, at fixing all the problems, thinking that somehow if we fix all the problems, life will be great. Well, we can fix problems and not get to that for better, like in the marriage vows, for better or for worse, that really I think that God has uh, for all of us. So I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, obviously, it, these are unprecedented times when it comes to uh, the, uh, the hurricanes that are happening, uh, well, that happened in Houston and uh, is happening in Florida right now. And so wanted to just take a little time out uh, to talk about that. If you're new around here, uh, one of the things that might be a little bit odd for you is uh, normally, hey, there'd be uh, a big uh, collection at the end of service for, for extra funds. And one of the things we do is uh, we, as part of our budget, as part of your generosity, uh, we give, we already have given to relief in Texas and will to Florida. And, and usually, quite honestly, it's, it's substantially more than would come in in a special offering. And, uh, but these are uh, unprecedented disasters in our country. And so I would just say, and, and normally, uh, you know, we don't make a big deal of our offering time here. In fact, people would say, hey, that went by real quickly. Uh, I would just say in this month, uh, just do your best. Be generous because I, I truly believe that this will be the greatest investment uh, that uh, we've ever made in 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 an effort like this. And so it's gonna take uh, lots of resources and time and energy. And I think this will probably be the largest investment we've ever made uh, as a church in something like that. And that's quite a lot to say uh, because of what we do. Well, we also are uh, receiving uh, goods at all our campuses. Uh, if you've checked on the website, uh, you, you know, you want to definitely. Uh, check what we're receiving. You know, people have asked some interesting questions. Like, I have like half a bottle of shampoo. Can I bring that? No, but you can buy a new bottle and do that, you know. Uh, so why don't you, yeah, we give our first and best, not our worst. So uh, uh, you, you want to uh, do that as well. Normally we don't do that, but because of the nature of the disasters, uh, we are, are doing that. And then we're sending teams. We always do that, uh, beginning actually just in a few weeks uh, to help with this effort. One of the things we do as a church is we take on uh, things in a big way. And so I hope uh, that you will do that really maybe in all of these ways as uh, you're generous, as you bring something specific and maybe as you go as well. Well, for, for myself, 
Uh, this has been one of those trying times for our family. Uh, you, you may know I have two daughters. My uh, oldest daughter is a senior at Southeastern University uh, in the Tampa area of Florida. And so uh, we got her a flight out, but her flight got canceled. And so if you could be praying for her, because that's sort of where things are heading uh, right now. But you ever have those relatives that you always thought were a little bit out there? you know, a little bit crazy. Well, I got to tell you, we have some of those relatives. And uh, they, you know, they're, they're great people. They're super smart, super successful. But these are the type of people who, you know, like they have their own generators and bomb shelters. And literally, they have food for an emergency and I'm sure a cache of weapons. Uh, Praise God, those relatives live in the Tampa area. So, <laughs> yeah, you never know what God's going to do, do you? <laughs> so, I'm very excited about that, uh, especially uh, as, as the storm hits that way. Well, today what I'm talking about is not, not storms. What I'm talking about is that for better relationship, but where does it begin? It begins before we get married. And so if you're dating here today, this is going to be spot on for you. But I think for all of us, it'll help us understand uh, what we're shooting for in a relationship. If you'll take your outline out of your program, it says Genesis 2.24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. That's the goal. That's what God has for us. And we're going to look how to get there in the weeks to come. Now, as you think about dating in particular, and uh, there's a lot of bad advice out there. In fact, uh, I've looked at uh, before some of these unhinged dating tips, and I have a whole new batch for you uh, this year. Here's some, uh, on Twitter, there's a Twitter account. It says, if she tries to eat your fries, stab her with your fork to assert your dominance. That is not a good idea. Uh, here's from a lady, drop a napkin to untie his shoe under the table. When he kneels to tie it, yell, I do, in front of a crowd of witnesses. <laughs> and, okay, here's another one. Play with her hair. Make sure she's sleeping, however, so you don't have to explain how you got into the house. <laughs> and then ask her to cut your steak just the way your mom does. <laughs> now, that is bad advice. Uh, and often we've followed some bad advice or some bad impulses when it comes to relationships. How do we, how do we get that, that love that we want? Well, first we have to understand we're dating and honestly, where marriage can go wrong is that we have unrealistic expectations. We come in with uh, uh, these expectations. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might write it in the margin. This isn't in your outline. There's really two types of people that have these unrealistic expectations. We call them men and women. That's what we call them. They have, we have unrealistic expectations of what this would uh, look like. And, uh, and then sometimes we carry too much baggage. Now, notice the phraseology of that. I didn't say we have too much baggage. If you say, man, I've got a lot of baggage, here's the good news for you. Uh, you can have a lot of it. The question is, how much are you going to carry into the relationship? 
I know people who have little baggage in their life, but they carry all of it into the relationship, and it affects everything. And then we invest too little. We, we uh, will invest a lot in getting the person to like us, to love us, to marry us. I, I remember my wife, I've shared this before, we dated, uh, we, did, here's, we did what you're not supposed to do, by the way. We dated for almost five months before I asked her to marry me. And you say, because I thought if she knew me any better, she'd say no. Uh, so uh, that is like radically true. So uh, uh, with that, so I, we were dating and, and we just got to know each other just a little bit. And I remember, in fact, it was out at Carolyn Point in Kirkland, Washington when I proposed. I got him to open up the uh, nice restaurant there on the water early and uh, had the special dinner and surprised her. And then uh, there was a silver platter covered. And for dessert, it was the ring. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if you guys didn't do as well, but the, uh, <laughs> maybe he just doesn't love you as much. So the, uh, <laughs> but, but it was, it was perfect, and she was crying and happy. Here's the problem. She said, yes, I thought mission accomplished. We're done, you know. <laughs> what else do I need to do? Well, now I need to walk out 25 years of marriage. That's what I needed to do. And see, oftentimes, we don't get the end game. We don't get actually what we're shooting for in this relationship. Uh, you know who did? Solomon. We're going to look actually at the Song of Solomon for the next three weeks. It's a book of the Bible, a crazy book of the Bible in some ways, uh, because it talks about romantic, like I literally had to edit the Bible for this series because it was too steamy. It really is. No, I'm not kidding. It's like, gosh, I can't do that. I know it's in the Bible, but man. And so, but here, here's what he said. He who finds a, a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And now there's a lot about his life and a lot of things he did wrong relationally. But he came to a point where he knew he didn't have to live there. So here's the goal. The goal for you may be to find the one or to become the one, or to make the one out of the one you have. <laughs> and that's what we're looking at uh, in this message series. Now, I know because of uh, the topic of relationships in general, and uh, for those of you who are, maybe you come uh, after relationships ended, and there can be a lot of self-recrimination uh, and, you know, God will sometimes bring conviction, which means that God will say, you know, like, ah, I shouldn't go that way anymore. But the enemy of our soul, Satan, he brings condemnation. See, that's not from God. And, in fact, the Scripture is very, very clear uh, when God says, I make all things new. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so you, if, especially if you've said yes to Jesus, you can say, hey, no matter what my past is, I don't have to live there anymore, uh, whether it's as a single person or as a married person. And my hope is that uh, you'll find incredible hope uh, 
as we look at this book of the Bible. Now, one of the things as we look at the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, uh, it's, it, there's a lot of symbolism in there. And so I'm going to explain some of the symbolism. It'll be a little different than uh, a lot of studies we do. It's going to be highly practical, but we're going to uh, get to know a little bit of the mindset of, of really this couple who we're going to hear from. It's really a couple interacting uh, with each other, with their friends chiming in every once in a while, uh, talking about love and expressing their love for one another. Uh, it's written really as an allegory and a poem, and it, so it has that much uh, symbolism. And it was actually off limits to uh, Hebrew boys. They couldn't read this part of the Bible till they were 15 years old. So can you imagine that little, you know, little Hebrew boys going out into the woods with a flashlight saying, hey, let's go read the Bible. And uh, so that's uh, because of all that's, that's in there. And, but I think as we see, we'll see the passion and everything, here's what I hope you're going to see, is how to get to for better in your relationship, or maybe how to, how to look for that kind of relationship. Well, uh, as we, we look at this love uh, that uh, we, we hope for, maybe we had and we feel like we've lost, uh, we know it starts, this is what we think of usually uh, in how to get to for better, is you need that special spark. And we see this, uh, and, and first it's interesting, uh, the, the woman, she she's, says right up front, this is what she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine which I'm used to. My wife says that to me all the time. And so, the, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it is like, you know, in the words of Austin Power, yeah, baby. I mean, that is, she's, she's really, there's that spark that uh, she feels. And it's in, uh, interesting, as I said, there's three groups we hear from. We hear from uh, Solomon, his beloved, and the group of friends. Well, we need that special spark in, in a relationship. There, there's something that's there. It's an intangible. It's not sustained. You can't sustain a relationship with it, though. It's important for it to be there at some point. Now, I, I know that uh, people will sometimes say, hey, I'm, I'm getting to a certain age, and I just feel like I should be married. And you can make a more rational decision. Obviously, probably the older you are, the more rational you'll make that decision. But, but there should be that, that spark, that sense of want to, and we see that in the Scripture. And we also see that something that, that we often don't look for, and that's respect and honor in a relationship. In fact, Dr. John Gottman, probably the most quoted, well-known, and uh, most respected researcher in marriage uh, in at least our country, uh, if not the Western world, writes this. He says, without honor, all the marriage skills one can learn won't work. That you can learn all the skills and tactics, but there has to be an honor for one another. Dear, Dr. Gary Thomas, uh, he, he talks about how there's uh, overtures that a uh, spouse will make that we can turn towards or them or away from them. 
And he writes this. He says, think of a, a baseball batter uh, at the plate. Uh, once, once the pitch is thrown, it counts. The batter can let the ball go by, swing and miss, or hit the ball. But the pitch counts. Every time your spouse makes a bid, a pitch is thrown. And you have a decision to make. And not to make a decision is actually a decision. In this case, a destructive and hurtful one. So, to, to honor means that not only are we attentive, that we care, but that we see them as a person of value. And long after the initial spark is gone, that honor and respect are what make a relationship sustainable. Now, here's, here's what we read here. Again, we're going to, it's a little take a little bit of interpretation. It says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like a perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. So what in the world is she talking about? Uh, well, uh, in the in ancient world, people, honestly, they couldn't bathe that often. Perfume was pretty expensive and valuable. And she, she's saying, your name, when people talk about you, is like of someone of great value. And I value you in that same way. One of the saddest things that I, I see is that when a spouse feels unvalued and dishonored in a relationship, we see the opposite can be so life-giving. Proverbs 12, 4, it says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown but a disgraceful wife is like decayed in his bones. And you know what a wife of no, noble character is or a husband of noble character we see in this passage is that's, that's not found, it's often cultivated as honor is given to one another. Third, there is emotional connection. Emotional connection is essential in a relationship. Uh, now, it's interesting, it, we're going to look at this passage, that when it talks about emotions, that Solomon, the man, actually talks about his emotions first. Probably the first and the last time it's ever happened in human history. But, uh, uh, but he's talking about his emotions, and he says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. By the way, don't try this with your wife uh, or your girlfriend. Hey, you're like a mare, and you're like gone, brother. So uh, your, cheek, uh, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make your earrings of gold studded with silver. And again, when uh, he, he's talking, he's using an analogy. Uh, horses in the ancient world were valuable, almost uh, godlike, and often seen as as pure. And then she, she responds, and she's like, she, she says this to him. She says, while the king was at my table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my, I don't know if you can say that in church. My beloved <laughs> is to me a cluster of henna, bosoms from the vineyards of Engedi. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, take that scripture down. Woo -hoo! Woo -hoo! 
What do you say? Blossoms. What did I say? Bosoms. Bosoms. Okay. All, all, all I know is it. All I know is I couldn't get past breasts, so after that I was pretty much done. So the uh, whatever. <laughs> Is it the coffee or is it me that's hot here? <laughs> so so you, you see these uh, two people who are sharing their heart, their love, and there's something where they've connected with one another. Where they, and in fact, as you read through this book, you'll see uh, people who are encouraging, people who are dissuading. You'll see their own Feelings sometimes falter, but they know that there's this connection that they've developed and they have. And I don't know one husband or one wife who doesn't want that. I know people who have given up on the possibility of that. But every single person wants to be loved and to express love and feel that that investment, even though it might feel like it's taking a lot of energy and cost and everything, it doesn't feel like any sacrifice because there's that emotional connection. And here's one thing I would say uh, to you who are married. I'm not talking to dating people as well is that if you don't have that, you can get that back. But it's a decision, and uh, it'll take some work. And the question is not, can my marriage get better? The question is, if there's two people who work 100% at it, yes, it can. Now, that oftentimes one will and one won't, and we're not to judge the other person. But would you, just for the next three weeks... Would you say, hey, I'm going to, one, I'm going to be at church or I'm going to watch church every week. I'm going to be open for a miracle. I'm going to take maybe a survivable marriage and say, God, I want to go for better. For, for those relationships that you, that you say, hey, I've seen, but I don't think is possible for me. And that happens even today. When after this service, you would just share just a little bit of your heart with one another. And you would maybe ask a question. And you'd say, what would for better look like for you in this next season? And by the way, if someone you're married to or dating asks that question, don't bring out the litany of everything they did wrong. If you want to kill communication... No matter how much, you don't need to say it. God didn't tell you to say it. Don't. No. Because <laughs> if you do, you'll miss an opportunity that you may or may not get back this month, this year, this relationship. Just say, you know, for better for me, and you might say, would be that we would just talk about, that would take 15 minutes. We'd talk about our day. For better for me would be there's something that's, something's been bothering you 
and you haven't shared it with me. Would you, would you trust me enough to share with me? For better for me, you might say, you know, I know there's lots of reasons. And when it comes to the physical part of our relationship, it's just, you, we, we know that's something that could be for better. And I'm not, I don't want to pressure you, but I, I'm willing to walk with you on that journey. For better for me would be is that we, we would say words to each other that would encourage one another. And if you do that, you'll build an emotional connection. But that emotional connection in its deepest form is built on number four, spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy is when there's three in the relationship. There's the husband, the wife, and God. It's interesting. Now, now, again, there's a bit of an allegory here. It says, how beautiful you are, my beautiful darling. How beautiful your eyes are doves. And you're like, hey, you know, he's the first guy I've ever met who just looks at eyes. <laughs> and so, you know, but eyes were the windows of the soul in the ancient world. And what he's saying is there's a spiritual connection. And I know this can be difficult uh, because maybe for you that's just not part of your relationship. If you're dating, uh, if you're married, you're married, and you can work on that. If you're dating, the Bible is quite clear, 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And, and I know I've heard it so many times. Well, you know, oh, but she's so hot. She's not a Christian, but God can make her a Christian, you know. And you want to be yoked together spiritually. And I'll just say this. That if you're here and you say, man, I'm here, I'm dating. I'm the one who's not a Christian. They drag me to church. <laughs> Awkward. I, I just want to be honest with you, because here's what's going to happen. The, they may have and probably will compromise some of their faith at this moment because they really love you, but it won't last forever. And at some point, there's going to be some spiritual expectations, and not just once. This will be over a period of years, maybe the entire relationship, and That'll come into play if you're not together. And so I don't, if, if you might say, hey, well, maybe I want to come in relationship with Christ. Then do that. But if not, there's going to be this burden in your relationship. Or maybe they'll just give up on that part of themselves and resent you for it. See, spiritual intimacy is, I know with my wife and I, I uh, I've shared, we've been married uh, coming up on 25 years. And we've had a couple super difficult moments uh, in our marriage. Yet, it was us being together in Jesus Christ that made the difference. And so here's a question for some of us. Hey, Ben, how, how can I build that spiritual intimacy? Well, you got to be careful too. 
uh, with this as well, especially if you're dating, because spiritual intimacy can lead to other kinds of intimacy as well. Uh, but if you're married, uh, one of the things you're doing, go to church. If you're at church together, you know, when you're learning together, you're growing together. During worship is, I, I haven't said this for a while, if you're here with your spouse, it can be one of those moments you can hold hands uh, with with them. Now, I, I've got to be cautious because literally last time I, I said this, there was some guy not married next to one of the ladies in the church, and he said, can I hold your hand? No, you can't. Uh, so, don't be a creeper, you know. So, no creepers in the name of Jesus. So, uh, read the Bible or a devotional together. Uh, my wife and I, our first couple years of marriage, we went through uh, a couple of those, and and I'm not saying that you have to be an hour of Bible study. We don't do that. I'm a pastor. We don't do that. But we will spend times and seasons when we gather together uh, around God's Word and we can grow. And then pray together. Pray for each other. When you serve together. Another thing uh, we hear a lot about this time of year is our re-engage ministry. About 500 people have gone through that. Uh, the couples who go through that find incredible uh, spiritual growth. And you get, you know, you make friends and learn marriage skills. That's one of those opportunities. Forgive each other. You want to grow spiritually? If there's been some burdens that you say, hey, you know what? I'm not saying we're going to fix all the, because you've got to fix the things that you're still doing wrong. But if you say, I forgive you because Jesus forgave me, there will be a spiritual connection. And maybe if you haven't, if you haven't been baptized, if you have, since you've become a believer, if you are a believer, be baptized together. That's incredible. Now, uh, as you're dating, it's not just about, uh, hey, don't date someone who doesn't share my faith. It's about finding out what their heart is. My wife, you know, I have joked about it uh, many times. The first time I saw her uh, in uh, the church lobby, and uh, uh, I'm like, hey, that girl has some amazing spiritual gifts. No, that's not what I was looking at. Uh, but, but what really drew me to her over the I saw how she was leading a Bible study, how she was pouring into other people's lives, and I thought, if she cares for other people that way, my guess is she might care for me that way. And so there's that spiritual connectedness. And that can be learned. And then fifth, there's passion and romance. Uh, and we uh, see this all throughout the Song of Solomon. It says this, uh, how handsome you are, my beloved. And how, now notice, this is the wife speaking. Again, this may be the first time in human history this has ever happened. Uh, how charming in uh, our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are firs. She's basically saying, hey, there's a lot of passion between us. But that passion, see, it's interesting. Uh, Earlier on, she says, 
uh, I'm not like one of the veiled women, which uh, in that ancient, ancient day would mean women who are sort of loose, often, you know, in uh, pagan cultures, temple prostitutes. And so she's, she's saying, hey, Solomon, Solomon knew a lot of women. And she said, that's not how our relationship is going to be. We're going to have romance, and we're going to have passion. But we're going to have the kind of passion that God has intended for us. And then she says this six times in the Scripture. She says, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. She's saying, when you find that love you're looking for, it's so powerful that no matter what it took you to get there, you'll say it was worth the wait. See, the end game is to cherish and to be cherished. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week. I know that's sort of an odd word. But really how we get there, I'm going to get down, drill down into some specifics in how we get there in our relationships. You know, one of the things that uh, we get to see are a bunch of people who come with broken hearts and broken marriages, and God does an amazing healing work. And sometimes we see people come, and, and honestly, maybe it's from a bad dating relationship, maybe a marriage that didn't work out, but God still does a healing work. In fact, I want you to hear, which is probably one of the most unique stories you'd ever hear, someone who is involved and re-engaged, in, in, uh, but it came for him at a point of crisis. I want you to hear Brian's story. My name's Brian. I was married for uh, 25 years and um, have two awesome kids. Our marriage, you know, as far as I was concerned, was a pretty, you know, normal, smooth marriage um, based on what I knew. About two years ago, basically, uh, um, you know, my wife uh, of 25 years said, hey, I've kind of lost that love and feeling and I'd like to maybe take a break from our marriage and, and, and I'd like some space and to try to figure this thing out. It was definitely the darkest place I've ever been in before um, and the loneliest place I've ever been in before during these last couple of years. And um, when you're lonely, um, there's a lot of other things you can turn to. And so and I just kind of you know, pulled closer into church, pulled closer to Timberlake. I think I was having breakfast with Ben and he said, hey, you know, we've got this marriage ministry coming up. Any chance that you could bring, um, you know, um, Stephanie and maybe you guys could, um, you know, um, benefit from that. I'd asked her a couple times, maybe a month, be half, month before, month and a half before. She said, no, I'm not ready. I was uh, planning on going to re-engage by myself. I mean, I had no commitment from her. About five hours before, um, the re-engage, the first re-engage meeting started, I got an email from, uh, from my wife's attorney saying, hey, um, here's, see attached the divorce documents. I got that and my heart 
just dropped, of course. I was in a, a pretty dark space, and I decided I'm going to re-engage, and I walked into the room. Um, I sat down. A couple people had asked me, you know, hey, are you okay? Because I saw that maybe I was a little distracted or a little sad or something. Somebody had mentioned, and this group of seven couples just talked to me and prayed for me and prayed with me. When I walked away, I thought, oh, I am so glad that I came to this, that I felt stronger and supported and, and maybe just a little bit full of God, you know, after that. And I think that's exactly what I needed. Um, I'd say my heart has softened a lot. And that's kind of was my, my next step of my emotions is just kind of letting it go and letting him run the show and not trying to control it and fight and be tough. And uh, if I trust in, you know, if I trust in this, in his process and, and what he sees ahead, which I can't see, um, then, then I'm good. Jesus and my faith just moved to number one. I got through my, this process. I got through the pain. Um, not that the pain is totally gone, but I'm in a different spot in my life, and I don't think I could have got through it without my faith, without my relationship with, with Jesus and my relationship with fellow Christian um, friends and family to really give me the strength to, to fight through this and give me the strength to really look forward to this next chapter in my life. Um, I wish it would have ended up different. Um, I'm currently not married as of about five months ago, and I'm single, and I've got a fresh start, and I've got God at the, at the core of everything that I do, and it feels really good. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.